The Hero's Journey podcast is filled with an abundance of spoilers. If you haven't read this week's book, I recommend you do so, as it will certainly help you follow along. Although, if you're only interested in hearing our take on this story, listen on. Hi, and welcome to A Hero's Journey, a literary podcast. I'm your host and judge, Jack, and I'm here with my punctual particulars. This is Alex. And I'm Zach. Each week, we look at a new book through Joseph Campbell's monomyth. This week, we're going to be discussing The Blade Itself by Joe Abercrombie. It's a story that follows a myriad of characters through a fictitious world, uh, full of light magic use and warring kingdoms. Uh, we're going to particularly be focusing on Logan, who is a named man of the North, someone who's received uh, acclaim through battle in the somewhat barbaric North. Uh, he's known as the Bloody Nine or as Bloody Nine Fingers. And uh, we find Logan fighting some apish creatures at the beginning of the story, having been exiled from the north by the king of the north uh, with a, a group of companions. Uh, he finds himself separated from that group due to an attack from these apish orcish creatures called the Shakta. Um, then realizing he is the only surviving member of his crew, uh, begins an, uh, his sojourn to the south in which he meets a Magi's apprentice uh, who takes him to the Magi himself, a, a magical user of, of great strength, who then uses Logan um, as a warrior and, and as a companion as they travel to the capital of the Union, uh, in which he's come back to reclaim, Baez in this game, reclaim his place as the um, part of the closed council of the Union. Although, meanwhile, toting Logan along with him for quote-unquote security, but also with greater plans in mind. Now, this is just one thread among many of the book, but it's the one we'll be choosing to follow this week. And we begin this week, as we always do, with our departure from the ordinary world, where you think all of your friends are dead. I hate when that happens to me. What is it, Tuesday? <laughs> all right. So our journey for this book is going to be centered on Logan, like I discussed, and it's going to be his journey to find his place in the wider world outside the North. Uh, up to this point, he's only lived in the North. Uh, he had his family there. His, his, his raison d'etre, everything about him had to do with his identity in the North. But since he's been exiled and the, and the death of his companions, he's now trying to find his way and his name outside of the North. Um, and this call to adventure takes place after he's been separated from his party during the shock to attack. He falls off a cliff, but eventually uh, makes his way back to the campsite to find the campsite in ruins and what he believes the realization that the rest of his crew are now uh, either actively dead or going to be dead fairly soon. And there's nothing he can do about it. So he uh, sets off by himself after just gathering a few meager supplies. Um, to move towards the south across the mountains into the bog land uh, and leave the Shakta and the rest of the north behind. Um, it's a call to adventure saying, hey, this is really 
the end of your time in the North. Um, you got to do something else now because before Hanny, he at least had the identity of being the leader of this group of named men and companions, um, all who were who he actually defeated in singular combat and earned their respect in the past. Um, but now he's just one man alone by himself and, and doesn't really have uh, any identifying things in the South. So we move into his refusal of the call, um, which is he goes back to the camp uh, looking for his tribe. He could have just set off to the South instead of heading back to the camp and, and looking for signs of his tribe, but he's, he wants to make that last effort as the leader. Uh, but once he sees the state of the battle that took place, he says there's no hope and, and moves on. So he has a bit of the refusal call in this journey to the camp, but a realization that his time here has ended uh, when he reaches there. Uh, now, meeting the mentor, it's not something that Logan does um, often in this book, but it, it it's proven to be a unique ability that he has the ability to talk to and call spirits. Um, he calls the spirits of the forest, and it it's a little confusing exactly what they are, but I think the general idea is that they're supposed to be like the ancestor spirits. Um, and they inform him about the wider goings of the world, but they also reference, Hey, we're starting to dwindle in power and in number. Uh, we're not going to be around very long. Uh, and, and Logan kind of replies, well, neither am I, I'm heading South. And, but they let him know about a Magi who's in the South, who's looking for Logan. And so that gives can gives Logan a new sense of direction and purpose. Um, so they, they accomplish the, their job in that they, they mentor him in a course uh, without, you know, holding his hand. Uh, we've got crossing the threshold this week uh, is Logan then travels with who, what ends up being the Magi's apprentice back to the Magi Baez's fortress or commune uh, in which the, him and the rest of his disciples reside. Um, and, and has some great interactions with Baez, but eventually the king of the north, who is a sworn enemy of Logan, shows up um, and has a confrontation. He's looking for Baez's assistance in attacking the Union. Um, Baez has no interest in giving that to him, and the, the king of the north has brought along a sorceress um, who tries to use her voice to persuade Baez to join him, uh, join the king of the north, but but Baez isn't having any of that, and he uses his own magical ability to kind of overpower not only the sorceress, but dominate the room in such a way that uh, really showcases to Logan that his talk of magic was, wasn't was uh, unfounded. Uh, and then we get the belly of the whale, in which um, Logan travels to the Union's capital with Baez and with uh, the, the Magi's apprentice. And the first time he experiences lots of first crossing the ocean to get to the, uh, the union capital, but nothing more staggering than when he views the capital the first time in the size of this city, uh, something the likes of which he's never even dreamt of uh, so far with his life in the North. Um, so it's something that he, he can't understand the scale of it, the buildings, the people, uh, the implications that water runs through pipes. It's all, Completely novel and somewhat intimidating to Baez, and, and hence we have his belly of the whale. All right, so the journey that we're going on here, I think is a pretty good one. Uh, we've done something like this before where someone just needs to find a, their place in the world because there's been a dramatic shift um, and Logan losing all of his companions, I think is definitely one of these dramatic shifts that we've seen 
uh, even though we know that they're not actually dead. So, Zach, my question for you is, does the fact that his companions are not dead and, in fact, in the north, uh, over the mountains still, take away any of this call? I don't think so, mainly because we only have that knowledge as the reader. Um, I, you know, to be a, a fairly sidestepped comparison, and it's not necessarily something that even the author planned, but we don't know that Harry is also Voldemort at the beginning of like the beginning of the the, 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 the Harry Potter books. Right. So it's, we have to give everything in the lens at which the character that we're discussing is given. And so. uh, in fairness, Zach, J.K. Rowling also did not know that. I Harry said that. I like... said even the author didn't know, but we have to, we have, we have to limit our scope of views. And if, I just don't think it detracts from it at all to answer the, the question very, very succinctly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So for the refusal of the call, this seems more to me like setting off, preparing for his quest and an actual refusal because he, Logan admits to himself right away that his companions are all dead. There's no way they could have survived this at all. And he's going back to look for you know, his clothes, his boots, because he was trimming his toenails when they were attacked. Um, there, There isn't a real refusal of this at all. He sets out right away to go to the mountains. He doesn't wait at his camp for anyone to come back if they were, you know, had to run a little bit farther away than he did. Um, it just, it, it feels very weak to me. Logan has the inward narrative of thinking through it in the book. We, we, we see and read Logan saying, all right, I can see what's happened with this battle. They're currently, my companions are either dead or currently being chased. All right. Then he has the line of thought, do I follow after them and try to rescue them or save them? Oh no, that's pointless because the, the sheer numbers are against us and they're going to be dead even before I can reach them. So, I think he at least pays kind of lip service to the idea that he should do something to help his companions if they're somewhat alive, but realizing the futility of it decides that he, his primary objective right now is to be helping himself because he's in dire straits and that even anything he could do would be futile. I, I really just think he's too practical to refuse it. Just like he said, he, it, the thought comes up in his mind for a second, but it, it's not a very strong thought. Uh, and just moving on to the meeting with a mentor, I I like the spirits. I think that they're cool, but they're just in the story for such a short time, and they do so little to actually help Logan that I have a hard time picturing them as real mentors. They they just say, "Hey, we're we're feeling pretty tired, and there's this dude in the south looking for you." I I don't know. Do, do you see any more of that relationship? Yeah, I, I don't know. I like I know it's looser, but from a narration standpoint, I like the fact that these mentors let us as the reader know that he has like power beyond that of your typical character. Um, uh, I'm going to push his on words. I, I think I agree with the idea that they're the best mentor we have, but ultimately I think that I don't really feel comfortable declaring somebody the mentor role we ascribe to Gandalf on characters that appear in 
five pages of the book. Uh, you're crossing the threshold. I think this is another one that's really good. Um, I like this, and I think it fits the step better than you know the mentor the mentors did, because we have a very clear danger and we have a very clear threshold. Even like explicitly, there's the bridge that they cross into the library. So this is one that I like, and. I think it's an interesting dynamic to see Logan, the old champion for the king, face off against him under his new uh, liege lord in Piaz. So anything else you want to talk about this? Um, no, I think it's particularly cool that he's getting both protection and, from Piaz, but also being used as like kind of a, rile, a, a point to rile up the king. Like, there's lots of reasons that Baez has him there, um, but safety isn't necessarily one of them, especially in his own home. So um, the fact that you bring, like, the deadliest warrior of the North to your home and then just kind of sit him in the corner during the conflict uh, is, is just vastly amusing to me. All right. And then I think that this scene is also the belly of the whale, though, um, unlike just traveling to the capital, because in this scene, Logan like commits himself more to Baez and to be his champion, follow his commands. And he even says that he doesn't want to ask questions. He doesn't want to know what he's doing. He just wants to follow Baez. That's, that's later. That's after he kills the bit that doesn't quite fit his Black me, But yeah, Black, that was the bit that originally I assumed we were going to go with because it ends in that conversation. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, Regardless of whether we want to use the overwhelming senses of the capital or if we want to use his complete deference to Baez and his his avoidance of leadership responsibilities. And I think that's kind of an important thing for Logan because he's spent such a majority of his life being a leader among men. We see that with his tribe. We see that with him being the champion for the king. Um, it, he's noticeably saying, I don't want to make decisions. I don't want to be involved in this. Kind of understanding that while he may have skill at it, I think he has some amount of guilt that the ones, the decisions that he's made in the past has led him here, something that he might view as a personal failure. So um, we don't get into that kind of inner monologue within him, but either of the way, uh, either way, I, I think they make wonderful belly of the whales and henceforth checkpoint check on the on the thing check we did it. I, I will say that what the one comment I want to make that I think is interesting is if we agree that this surrendering of autonomy and leadership is his change that accompanies whether the belly is that one any of the individual scenes we've discussed or some combination of all three is his transition. Uh, I think it's really fascinating that this is sort of the anti-belly of the whale change that we normally experience, right? A lot of the time we experience a person Them taking ownership, stepping yeah. Into, yeah, stepping into their leadership role rather than Logan going, nah, I tried that. It sucks. Just tell me who to kill and when. We ended up missing out on two points, which I think is a little bit interesting. We lacked what I thought of as a concrete mentor and that ultimately Logan, well, he does have this thought process of 
what he should be doing, never really refuses his call to abscond to a new life and abandon his attempts at being the head of his tribe of ruthless murderers. Transitioning over into the final step of every hero's journey for Logan, the Bloody Nine, at least, uh, our initiation into the world of the quest that we're going to spend three books on. Um, we start where Zach should always start with a rambling road of trials. Every book has a rambling road of trials. And not mine. This one, and this one, yeah, well, that's fair. Um, not, and this one is no, no different. Uh, so we have a couple different instances. On the way from leaving Baez's stronghold, uh, they encounter some Northmen who have been sent by the cane to capture Baez and Logan and bring him back to them, most likely for punishment, perhaps, um, you know, torture or trying to get conjoled Baez into joining his cause again. Who knows? But Black Toes, uh, who is a named man, a warrior of great renown, a horseman, um, and during said ambush from Black Toes, uh, we see Logan initiating the kind of counterattack. They've been uh, to a standstill where they're just discussing things and Logan using his warrior's instinct as well as his experience and, and deadly fighting skill to kind of shift the tide and allow Baez a moment to use his magic such that um, they rescue themselves from the ambush. So this does two things. Uh, this one showcases the reemergence of Logan's kind of protectorship role with Baez. Baez has magic. He has things that can protect himself. But A, we see this is the first time that they take a lot out of Baez. He makes these giant sheets of fire uh, and, you know, loses some of his strength. Um, which showcases the need for Logan to be there as a warrior. But then we also see kind of the reputation that, um, that Logan has as a named man and as a warrior. When he's killing Black Toes at the very end, Black Toes is like, because I'm glad it was you, Logan, who gets to kill me. Um, and this is a, a sentiment that's not shared by Logan, which I think is particularly interesting as someone who shared, who's as someone who grew up in the North and was a named man. I think we sh we start to see his kind of mental shift away from the ideologies of the North. So I think that's one reason that this particular ambush is important. And then when Baez, Quail, and Logan reach the capital, they go to an actor's costume making shop. And they literally purchase costumes that would befit a magic user in a play, as well as our barbarian northern barbarian lords outfit uh they're trying to look the part and at first logan's very hesitant about this and he, he doesn't ever extremely warm up to the outfit because he finds it both impractical and garish but he's brought over the idea that it's necessary for their current task which is to fit a role in the mind of the people that they're interacting with um so i think this showcases Logan being willing to accept this strange land that he's in. Um, again, it's not the customs. He doesn't even understand the point of a play, 
because they don't even have them in the North, but he, he begins to understand the reason that bias is dressed and such. Um, and then finally, and this is a, a fairly large time jump uh, within the narration of the story, but we have the killing of the servants of the Inquisition. They get sent after the party because the Inquisition believes Baez to be a fraud and they all to be spies for the king of the north. Um, but Logan paired with Pharaoh, uh, one of the other characters who we start to become familiar with, are able to take out a party of 20 people sent to, to capture them, just the two of them. So this really showcases Logan's military ability and one of his kind of innate berserker abilities, something that we're going to get to a little bit later in the initiation. Uh, moving on to the meeting with the higher power, it's almost assuredly bias. Um, he has magical ability. He has agelessness. He has all the things that I like to see in a higher power. And he straight up gives Logan a magic sword that will never dull and, uh, and it is extremely sharp. So good on higher power. Um, he's, then we have the temptation. Um, right after that first attack by Black Toes, Logan does start to ask questions of Baez, like what is, what's your plans? What's your goals? Having already just reiterated that, Hey, I don't really want to know. I'm just here to follow orders. Some of his kind of innate personality bubbles up and his curiosity. So he starts to ask the questions and Baez even asks him, Hey, I thought you said you were just here to follow orders. And he, he kind of shuts up again. So this is a temptation to kind of return to the person that he was someone who's used to having his questions answered immediately and uh, honestly because of his level of power and his position of power. So I think it's a nice little two-sided thing. It's a temptation to return to the person that he was while also being a realization that he's committed to being someone else in this wider world and he's no longer the kind of person that he left behind in the North. Uh, following with that, we have atonement with the creator. Once um, Baez has kind of revealed to the closed and open councils that he uh, has the key to the maker's house, which is a towering structure that's been closed for generations upon generations, uh, he takes uh, Logan, Giselle, and Gokta with him into the maker's tower, and we see a magical mechanical world beyond the scope of, of anything that any of the characters besides Baez have interacted with before and the whole story is kind of moving to this moment because for half the characters Baez is a, a fraud and a trickster who's not to be trusted and isn't the real fan for Logan he who's obviously he's demonstrated his power to he's a man to be trusted but whose end goals aren't made abundantly clear whatsoever um, and so I think the maker's house is where all these threads come together in our story uh, and we see, okay, this is why we had to come to the Capitol, Logan realizes. We had to come to this house to see this thing, to get this box. Um, and so we can move on to the next step of our journey. And they, they evidently do fairly quickly. Um, but before they can leave the city on, on a ship uh, with their kind of menagerie of a crew, uh, they get ambushed, like I said, by the practicals of the Inquisition. And him and Pharaoh fight against uh, more than a handful of deadly soldiers. Uh and we start to realize that Slogan's name uh, as a named man actually comes from his berserker ability uh, in which he goes 
full on berserk. For those of you who don't know, he becomes kind of a, a, a mindless raging warrior who's unstoppable and doesn't feel pain. Um, taking down just person after person who's come to, to claim him. Uh, meanwhile, once all the enemies are gone and there's only an ally in the room, we see that Logan is prepared to fight them as well. Luckily, his bloodlust kind of is somewhat sated. So he uh, and his berserker mode turns off before he can harm Pharaoh. Um, so there's kind of a realization, if we're, if we're dealing into the apotheosis, that even though he's left the North and he's kind of left that lifestyle behind, the berserker rage is still within him and still comes un, unbidden. Uh, and then finally, we have the ultimate boon, is that Logan realizes he's kind of been wondering all along ever since he was called by the spirits to the Magi's Apprentice, why am I here? What am I doing? What's my purpose? And he finds out that his, his true purpose to be called by Baez and here in the outer world is to go on this journey uh, in which Baez claims it's something that will, you know, be of immense import to the world. And so he's collected this kind of menagerie of a crew from a, from a navigator to a representative from the Union, a representative from the North, even a, a freed slave from the South. It's, it's quite a collection of uh, individuals, and Logan is sure to play an important part in it. And so we've, we've gotten to the point where Logan now understands his purpose in the world uh, beyond the North and, and has, has that renewed purpose in life. So I'm going to contest you on the idea that he doesn't change very much because he has spent the greater part of his adult life fighting as the champion for the new king of the North. And this we really see is him fighting against the king of the North. Now we, we do get the implication that this isn't the first time. Obviously he's been exiled for something and there's great animosity between him and the king. But I do get the feeling that this is the first time that he's actually fought against a representative of that king of the North. It's not explicitly stated, but, you know, they left the North and were exiled as opposed to staging this kind of bloody revolt or trying to directly combat his his forces. And so I think this is the first time where he goes from used to be an ally to direct enemy. So, okay, but... Logan is and just if, fighting as a champion again. So yeah, but no, but if we're if the purpose of the journey is to find his place in the wider world outside of who he used to be, this there's not a better implication that he is no longer who he was than fighting against the direct thing that he used to be, which was someone working for the king of the north. So yeah, there there is like a change in loyalty there, but it's not really a change of personality or person. I'm not arguing that there's of, yeah. a change in personality. I'm change. I'm arguing that there's a a change in his place in the world and 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 in how he interacts with the world around him. Because if he's supposed to not no longer be like this man of the north, this king's man, what better way to showcase it? than to fight the, one of the kin's men. And so I don't think that the change needs to necessarily be every step needs to, especially in this journey, because if his journey isn't really to change as a person, we're not saying that he's going out and changing extremely widely as a person. He does experience change. I'm not I trying mean, to isn't that what we that. talk about? Like we talk about essentially character development throughout our journey. 
So he's not de developing. Okay, we have historically because we have a hard time finding what I think is, we have in this particular instance, which is road, which are trials that directly advance our actual journey in this case. So, because I think oftentimes when we're talking about the trials, we're like, oh, we need to do character development because, you know, that's what we want to see in characters. But it's not necessarily related to the to the journey that we set out on. Whereas in this instance, it's journey is to find my, my place in the outside world. Here are three core examples in which I am no longer the person that I was. Now, it, it doesn't change his personality or maybe show new ethics or anything like that. But it obviously showcases a shift in his place in the world, which is why I like him so much, I guess. But moving like right along, you, your argument is that none of these trials showcase anything particularly different for Logan. And the second one in which he has to be fairly deceitful and kind of play a part, I just think showcases more of the fact that he's not who he was. Each of these things are uh, him moving out of his comfort zone in a way that put him more into the purview of the wider world. And that's why I like him, I guess. I, without dwelling on it too much, I just think... So it showcases that he is aware of an outside world greater than the, the customs and the traditions and technologies that he was familiar with while also being like, hey, at the core, I'm still a fighter, I'm still a warrior. And that's that's... I have no problem with any of that. All right. Well, Alex, I'm going to cut you off because I don't think we need to spend more time digging into the road of trials. Yeah, it's going to be the same uh, argument. I, 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 I thought you take the breath there. Um, <clears throat> I think ultimately I'm going to give the point to Zach, but I think this is a great chance to reach out to our many avid <laughs> listeners who have brought us up to our wonderful achievement of a thousand independent <laughs> listens, only 50 of which are Alex. Um, but let us know what you think. Obviously, I think Alex and I have drifted more in line with the road of trials requiring what we think of as character development. But I think Zach makes a valid point that we might have gotten too mired down in that idea. Reach out to us. Let us know. Uh, you can always find us at a hero's journey pod at gmail.com at our Facebook at a hero's journey pod. And lastly, if I can remember our Twitter handle, we are at a underscore heroes underscore journey. And again, Alex would love to hear from you on Twitter. So you're meeting with a higher power. I think that this is a good point. Bias is Bias is definitely a higher power. He's you know the first of the Magi's. We always hear. And he does give a pretty nice gift. But the only thing that I want to push back on this is this happens way earlier in the story than is traditional. This happens after our, uh, quote, meeting with the mentor, but before the crossing of the threshold or the belly of the whale. So I, I think it's still a good point, but I think that there's a little taken away from it and the fact that it happens so early. You might, Some people might even put this as the meaning of the mentor step, in which case we're lacking this meeting with a higher power. Uh, I have no problem really with the timing of it, mainly because 
he fits all of the other portions. And I think we've even, especially when we discuss the return, not in this particular book, but in the past, we are somewhat fluid with our timelines. And so, um, yeah, I, I understand we're fluid with it. I, I agree that this is the point. Just wanted to point out that it's not it's not in the right place. If anyone is a very pure uh, hero's journey has to go in the right order person. Then God, they must hate our podcast. <laughs> Probably, but they would be more upset if we didn't mention it, I guess. Um, but going on to your temptress, this is one where I... Like, yes, if we're saying that Logan's place in the world is going to be to follow Baez, then fine. But can we really say that someone finding their place in the world is to just follow somebody else without questioning anything at all? Yes. I don't like that. Don't question me. I am the judge. I don't like that. (laughs) I don't think the temptation is to be a a blind person follower per se that might be the end result i think the temptation is to fall back into the person that he was before this journey started which was a leader of men which was a decision maker which was a le- you know someone of, of great importance and that this journey is allowing him to take a back seat on not only decision making but the responsibilities that come from it which is why when i was trying to argue the point i was trying to go into the kind of character's mindset in that he's been in charge of so many things for so long but at the end of the day is he really happy with the results of those decisions his tribe is dead he's exiled from his home he's following a magic man who he he doesn't know so in his mind i'm fairly confident that the lack of decision making is also a lack of responsibilities for his life currently. So then another thing that I want to point out is if he is not asking questions, can he really decide if this is the proper place for him in the world or not? If he's not thinking about it critically and saying, is this good? Is this where I want to be? He's just blindly following how can he determine if this is the right place or if he's supposed to go someplace else? Uh, I think he gets there by the kind of end of the, of the story when he realizes his role is to be part of this like greater journey amongst a group of individuals. But I think you're right in saying that there is a certain amount of hands off. I don't want to think attitude that, is probably somewhat to do with it's not like a stage of grief or something it's almost like a denial kind of thing he's just kind of like yeah i don't really want to be uh i don't know where i'm going i lost my train of thought no the stage of grief isn't the 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 stage of grief actually isn't a terrible argument because it does sort of feel is right we are talking about this idea that he wants to relinquish self-control because he feels that he's failed at being a leader. And if this was a different kind of story, we'd watch him do that. And then we'd watch him shuck off that desire and become a leader of men. But honestly, given what this story is, I totally imagine that this ends with Logan happily uh, walking around the rest of his life with Baez's hand up his ass. 
Um, I think ultimately, given how we're exploring Logan's journey, that this still falls as a temptress. Okay. Um, I kind of figured you were going to go this way, but I, there are things that I wanted to bring up for a later argument here. Um, one of those is for the atonement with the creator. In this scene, we're entering the tower of the maker, and Baez is taking people with him, seemingly randomly. Um, we obviously know that all of these characters are important because they're the ones we've been following throughout. But they even think this is a random choice. And then Logan's part in this atonement with the creator scene is to carry a, a chest. He's uh, a beefy boy. Yeah, but th- he beats just, a muscle. This is it. This isn't an important scene for Logan. It's an important scene for the book and for Bias. But Logan is just carrying a chest, man. Like, what? What is? What's going on? How is this an atonement with the creator? So, in the mythology of the world, the maker is a heavily kind of religious figure for a lot of people. He's the one of the sons, essentially, of the creator of the world and of the magic system. Uh, he's defined as the maker who makes makes things. So he's he's a he's a mythical entity, and therefore the home in which he resided, which has been locked for generations upon generations with seemingly no way to enter, um, is understandably a very shrouded and mystery kind of place. And being able to enter to it is, like I said, a combination of a lots of threads of the story and the purpose for Logan being here is to help Baez assemble this seemingly random crew of people and retrieve whatever this mysterious box is for. We don't know, and so I can't argue particularly for, and you can't argue particularly against it, that who knows if Logan is the only one who can even carry this box. But maybe because he speaks with spirits. But all I do know for a fact is that the House of the Maker is such a magical and kind of surreal place that all of Logan's decisions up to this point to follow Baez are somewhat ratified within himself because of the experiences that he has within that house. The experiences of terror and fear are definitely something that hints at this magicalness. And I have no problem with the maker being a creator, but the atonement here, I think, is for Baez and not for Logan. This is something we've encountered before where it's like definitely the atonement for the book, but not for our character. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that we can claim that this is the atonement with the creator for Logan. Going on to your apotheosis, this is something that I think is good uh, for the character and for the journey because Logan is, you know, the champion fighter for Bias and we haven't seen his berserker state yet. He even thinks that the berserker state is gone right before he goes into the bloody nine figure. Logan says, I thought I was free of you or something along those lines. I like this point. Um, I love the Blade Nine. I think it's an interesting way to describe the Berserker state. And this is one of those points that I think fits. The ultimate boon is something that I don't think you have, though. Um, I've kind of been like hinting at it throughout this whole whole discussion that 
how can our characters how can our character find his place in the world if he's just going with what Baez is saying? And I think that the ultimate boon is a continuation of this. He's just following about what Baez is saying. He's not thinking for himself at all. And how can we say that a place, his place in the world is to be to just follow Baez without really questioning anything? And more importantly, how can we say that he's achieved his ultimate boon if he's just continuing to do what he's been doing since the crossing of the threshold, which is following Baez and doing what he says? Well, Alex, you have no idea how to be a loyal friend because following without Ooh. questions is what we ask of each other. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, I do currently, until Zach gets his chance to rebut you, agree with the idea that it's this would be the first time that we've tried to argue the ultimate boon is something that was granted in the beginning of the book. He's been by, he's been one of Baez's companions since, I don't know, chapter five, whenever. Yeah. I just, I think the primary difference here is that there's a realization that the group is more than just Logan. Right. And it would be kind of like saying that it would kind so, of so it would kind here. of be like saying that Bilbo's like journey wasn't worth anything because he was with a group of people. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying at all. So you're saying that what it seems to me like you're saying is that Logan's ultimate boon is that other people are also kind of followed by us without question. Because in Bilbo's journey, that the dwarves are companions who are going on a journey with him, but they all have individual agency and are all following their own goals and desires. And this, everybody's just following Baez. Everybody's just playing follow the leader. And again, this is just something that's been going on for a while. We already had Marcellus Kwai following Baez as his apprentice. The other two magi we saw are, again, just kind of following the leader. They're not going with Baez on the journey here, but they are playing the same role. And the navigator, again, he's just, you know, following Baez, doing whatever he says. He's getting paid for it. So sure, that's slightly different, but everybody's just following the leader. How is that an ultimate boon? I don't know. It feels like an adventure to me. And it feels like if we're just arguing that he's looking for his place in the world, he's gone from kind of champion of Baez as an individual to warrior of this group. And I like that shift, but I understand if it, since this is a book one, if it doesn't entirely fit the, uh, the narrative of our hero's journey framework. I feel as if, I ultimately agree with Alex that we might be too early into Logan's journey to found what his ultimate boon is because while this definitely seems to be becoming one of Baez's many followers, hangers on companions, definitely seems to be what his goal is this book. It, that feels a little shallow considering that's something he's done the entire book to have his, his ultimate boon. Given that that's where I come down on this sack, is there another moment that you think might be in the same way that 
we argued the house of the maker was somebody else's atonement with the creator. Does somebody else receive what you'd think of as the ultimate boot of this book? Yeah, I think you could definitely assign this role to Giselle's winning of the, um, the contest and becoming the champion of the contest, even though it's through Baez's aid of his, uh, uh, through a magical means to give him kind of a, a power boost, so to say, but it's not something that directly impacted Logan. So I wasn't going to bring it up. Uh, in fact, Logan is, is kind of, uh, he's upset about the results because he's, he's upset that Baez cheated for Giselle. Um, but I think all of kind of Giselle's training and development as a character is leading to this contest. And had he failed it, we wouldn't have seen like the coming to fruition of, of Giselle's story in this particular first book. That closes out our initiation, which uh, in some nice symmetry with the departure is only missing two of its points. Uh, I just right, I disagreed with the atonement with the creator and the ultimate boon, ultimately siding with Alex's arguments that those kind of happen to other characters, which is, you know, allowed in a novel with four different main point of view characters or three different main point of view characters. There's a lot of characters running around in this book. <laughs> and that transitions us well into the return or really a lack of the return because we have a, a myriad of narrative characters. Um, I don't believe that Logan truly meets enough of, po of the points of the return to make it a worthwhile discussion point. I will point out that we have a rescue from the without in where Baez literally makes one of the guys they're fighting explode into guts and gore, um, rescuing him from the danger of, of that individual. Uh, whereas we have a uh, magical flight where the group leaves the capital on their ship, um, escaping the danger. But a uh, master of two worlds, a freedom to live, returning to the realm in which he existed before the journey began. Not something we're going to see, especially not from Logan, uh, here at the beginning of this trilogy, at the end of this first book. So because we didn't have a particularly full return here at the end of this first book in the series, um, we did want to mention a couple of the other characters that are important in the book. Uh, who may have hit a couple of the different points of the journey as a whole, especially because in the later two books that we'll be discussing in the future, we want our listeners to have a general idea of what the characters have been doing. And so I'm going to mainly just throw out a few points on two characters, specifically Pharaoh, who is an escaped slave girl who has this magical inability to feel pain. Um, she has a couple of particularly interesting moments, especially interacting with our characters. She has a extremely strong refusal of the call in which she is first greeted by one of Baez's Magi companions who's saying, hey, I can get you out of here. I can get you away from the emperor's uh, soldiers who are hunting you. And she says, no, all I care about is revenge and killing as many of them as possible. It's just an extremely potent refusal of the call as far as the hero's journey goes. And she also has a, um, a particularly good uh, temptation in which even after that point, she wants to leave. She doesn't understand why she's here in the union. She thinks she should go back to the world that she knows. But Baez offers her the 
by offering her a revenge not only against the emperor but the puppet master behind the emperor who is the prophet uh, the leader of the the eaters so um i like pharaoh she's an interesting character and we may talk about her more in the future and and also Brenna Baez. we've mentioned him not only as this you know uh, higher power but also as someone who uh who's experiencing his own journey. So we talked about how the uh, atonement with the creator is biases relations to um, his past and how re-entering this house is not only uh, bringing up memories for bias because he's so ancient, but um, also allows him to receive kind of this gift that has been locked away here for quite some time. Um, and I think that Baez is just a really cool character. He experiences some understanding and some frustrations where he literally built the union and has been has been a guiding hand at it for so long. But when he comes back, everyone thinks he's a charlatan and doesn't want to give him his dues. So uh, I think that's kind of a road of trials where each step is a little bit harder for Baez and a little more frustrating, um, but kind of showcases who he is as a character. So two of the other characters that we want to talk about are Galacta and Giselle. These are characters that I think we're going to be discussing more in books two and three as our focus characters. But in this, Galacta is a young man like in his 30s, um, but he is crippled due to his torture at the hands of the Gurkish. So he moves like an old man. He has constant chronic pains as an old man does. He eats porridge every day because he can't chew normal food he's very bitter at the rest of the world and he is my favorite character for all of his sarcastic comments and his scheming um he's he's great i love him definitely excited to talk about him later and one interesting thing to point out here i think that his call to adventure for that we're gonna for the um I think that his call to adventure for the journey we're going to discuss and the second book, A Little Hatred, is in this book. He is sent to Dagoska to lead, to uh, control that city and keep it in the hands of the Union against the Gurkish, the people who have tortured him in the past. And uh, talking about Giselle a little bit, we already kind of discussed him. He is this young fencer, he won the contest. And now Baez has taken him on as a companion. Um, and he has a very interesting relationship, I think, with two other characters, uh, Major West and R.D. West, Major West's sister. They're also interesting characters from Angleland, which is abutting the North. And um, his interactions with them really show that he is kind of snobbish, but also a romantic person. And he definitely has, I think, the most ability to change of all the characters we discuss. And as somebody who didn't get so excited about this book, he read the other two in the same day like some sort of monster. I'll say that that is not only not monsters. It's something that probably happens at least four times a year. Zach is not human. We continue. Um I don't have as great insight into the future of these characters and what important things to stress to you before we uh, move on to talking about book two in the future. So I'm just going to throw out some wild theories and you're going to listen to Zach and Alex giggle in the background. Uh, keeping with 
the dark fantasy theme. Uh, I'm convinced that Glockta of all three of our main characters is going to end up on top uh, because that just seems so fitting that the one that's the biggest bastard of them all uh, win, wins the totally not Game of Thrones in the end. Uh, but he can't truly win because we all know the real winner of this book series, uh, assuming that he really is Baez, is going to be the person walking around calling himself Baez because, let's be honest, he's clearly puppet mastering all of these companions. And I don't know what he's after, but I imagine it's going to end with him peacefully moving back into retirement to watch the world spin out until it gets off of whatever the fuck his plan is before we, you know, I, I know that the series continues later on. So presumably Baez is going to have to step back out of retirement again to keep fucking with the world. Is Gandalf it's, the true Lord it, of the Rings? It's hard out there for an immortal pimp wizard. So with a bit of an unusual return, as we moved into an interesting, more freeform discussion. I uh, just wanted to give our listeners who really care about the stats a little update. Uh, counting what would have been the return for Logan's journey if we'd explored it, uh, Zach's two additional points put us at a total of nine out of 17 points on the hero's journey uh, hit. And I think as we have gotten closer to defining the scale, we'll definitely, we would label the blade itself as or at least for Logan's journey, not necessarily following the Campbell's archetype. There are definitely elements of there and they do still help ground us in the story, but Logan is definitely, at least in this book, not on a hero's journey. So I, uh, I enjoyed the blade itself. I think Logan is uh, my favorite character, not only of this book, but of the series as a whole. I think he's uh, some easily relatable, you know, he, he doesn't have a ton of, of change, but he has enough depth, especially in how he interacts with the other characters that I, I find his story really interesting. And I think that the berserker nature of Logan juxtaposes well against the very intentional nature of Logan. Everything Logan does seems to be well thought out, considered, and then done to exactly the way he wants it to be done. But whereas it's kind of the mindless nature of the bloody nine makes a good kind of character, Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde dynamic uh good read highly recommend it you should pick it up it, it's not a very particularly long one so um it makes a nice fun read i really enjoyed this book uh i have not gotten as into it as zach did but that does not uh, i'd like that to not i'd like to preface that with that does not diminish the amount i liked this book uh zach is just a crazy person um I found the sort of dark nature of the world that we're in, especially with our neutral introduction to Glockta as a character so early, as well as uh, Logan's internal monologue, especially in our literal cliffhanger opening, really set a tone that this book seems to drive through the entire way. And... Oh, it's an itch I haven't had scratched in a long time for some proper dark fantasy. I think I don't think that's a set of emotions I've experienced since I first read Ned Stark's head getting decapitated. 
spoiler warnings for the five people out there that have somehow avoided Game of Thrones to this day and are on a literary podcast. No, I take that back. No spoiler warnings. Those people don't exist. Yeah, kind of like Jack, I like the grimdark nature of this world that we've entered. Um, for this first book, I don't think there's as good a journey as we get in the second and third. But obviously, we have to talk about the first one first. Uh, I love this series as a whole. Um, and Glockta, explicit, uh, Glockta especially, he's my, one of my favorite characters. I just think he's so interesting. Like I already said, this 30-year-old cripple still has an impact on the world, and I, I kind of just love it. Um, good first book, good introduction to the world, and I'm excited to continue with this one going forward. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and stop by next week as we dive into The Silent Patient, a mystery novel by Alex McAldes. As always, I've been your host and judge, Jack. This is Alex. And I'm Zach. Yay! Oh, thank you. But fine, Baez. We'll do it your way. Um, <laughs> Please call me Baez. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>